Broadcasting live from the World's Fair, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Zeba, and I'm joined by my players, Mila, Louisa, and Taya. And in this episode, we are continuing our horror games theme and talking about the 2021 film We're All Going to the World's Fair, directed by Jane Schonbrunn. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. In this film, a young girl named Casey starts playing an online game called the World's Fear Challenge. She initiates herself into the game by pricking her finger and smearing her blood on the screen while recording. She then documents her symptoms. Other strangers play the game too and report a range of symptoms, anything from the feeling of Tetris being played inside their body to their limbs turning into plastic. A much older anonymous male user named JLB finds her videos and warns her that she's in trouble and tells her that he's worried about her. And Casey begins speaking to JLB consistently online through private Skype calls and chats as well as public response videos. Meanwhile, her content becomes more and more disturbing. I want to go to the World's Fair. I want to go to the World's Fair. I want to go to the World's Fair. Well, since y'all won't play any games on kind of being fraidy cats, have you ever played a game that made you that way? Or are you just, uh, are you just pussies? I am a coward. I think I played Slenderman, like the online thing, whatever that website was. I went on that. I think I did it because it wasn't scary, though. The one time I've gotten scared and it wasn't even from a game, but it was from a Reddit deep dive, the like national park subreddit, which people know. They'll know if they know. And it freaked me the fuck out. It's freaky. I have never played any online games except for like the little Disney ones on the Disney website. Yeah, and the Barbie ones. Yeah, the Barbie ones are fun. Polly Pocket. Oh my God, amazing. Okay, there are challenges that sort of catch you. Like you'll be scrolling or whatever and then it'll be like, ooh, if you don't repost this, then all your friends will die tomorrow. And then it's really stressful happily ignore everything on tiktok it's like stop you won't manifest your dreams this year i'm like next 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 (laughs) mila you are ungovernable (laughs) like when i was on tumblr back in the day and it would be like you would pass like those posts it would be like if you don't reblog this on your tumblr then you'll have the worst day of your life tomorrow and then there'd be people underneath being like bro i didn't do this and everyone in my life died and so i'd be like oh my god (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) and so that those would get me but like the type of like bloody mary games and stuff i just never had any interest in doing i was a very calm child and i'm a very calm and reasonable adult as well the monstrous feminine is on twitter so please tweet us if you do engage with our content you might just get a shout out in our next episode as our witch of the week this episode our witch of the week is the white noise podcast who tweeted true blood supremacy in response to our tweet about our true blood references hi white noise podcast Thank you so much for supporting our podcast and we love your podcast. So if you haven't listened to the White Noise podcast, people, you should go listen because they're kind of similar in what they talk about. We hope you have a very spooky autumnal September 
yeah, maybe rewatch True Blood. It's a good time of year to do that. Friendly reminder that we're also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear a cut discussion for our main episodes. And for £5 a month, you get all that plus a bonus episode. Please support us. Any contribution helps. This film is a very much like self-spectacle, but I feel like I really wanted to love this film. I wanted to love it so bad. I went into this thinking that I was about to be in love. Like this was going to be in my top 10 of the year and I did not like it. What made you so sure that you were going to love it? This is a fairly critically acclaimed film. And I also like the concept of the film because I do feel like being chronically online has created like a very uncomfortable relationship between reality and online relationships for younger people like when we were kids we weren't quite in the age of the internet where like everybody was online all the time I remember I got Instagram when I was in high school all of the social media wasn't as big as it is now there wasn't really TikTok Vine had like a few pop-off Vine stars but it wasn't really like TikTok where like maybe you just record yourself making breakfast every day and show up with a million followers there wasn't like as much of an ability to make yourself a spectacle and like people are so isolated that they are willing to find connections with people doing mundane things online that being said there are like a couple things in this movie that made me be like that really just didn't do it for me like at one point when she is at the graveyard and she's like this is a tour of my high school I was like this has to be the clip that the guy is saying he almost called the police about because this would certainly be interpreted as a threat of like a a school shooting or something I was very confused on how like that didn't go anywhere as a plot line for the purpose of this I guess we're gonna say like she is so she's just a voice in the void and like no one's really paying enough attention to her videos to even perceive it as a threat but her character's not really fleshed out we don't really know much about her like the only glimpse of her dad we see is him saying is three um please stop playing this loud ass video i get it like in a way because yeah there's so many people online that you don't really know the individual person and we are like watching it through the lens of the videos that she's recording it but it's just the character felt so like the actress did a really good job it was like very flat and meaningless to me I don't know like I really thought this was going to be like a film to me that really delved into online culture and I, I you guys know I talk about all the time how much I love horror of loneliness but like it just didn't land for me maybe I'm just not a person who's online enough to like understand growing up online because even when I was like a kid I just was not online that much the credits in the beginning, the introduction, B-roll, um, shot into a part of my brain that like activated some, that is like where I grew up in middle and high school looked exactly like that. Like the big piles of snow in the parking lot of like a Home Depot or a Best Buy, like fuck all to do, like cornfields and dirt and like a couple of like big stores, like maybe a Walmart and like things like that. So like I totally get it because that's exactly the shit that we would do people were on youtube because there's nothing to do she is a character she was incredibly dull i'm sure she had a colorful inner world that we didn't get to see but she made a lot of sense to me like i knew so many kids like that and what you said ty about the school shooter thing do you know how many kids in my middle school threatened to like bomb the school and we would have to like have the whole day off while they like dealt with it like people were chronically online because there was nothing to do and if you were an outsider in any way if you didn't have friends if you weren't in a sport if you didn't like have folks to hang out with it was just like people consuming that like weird early 
unsupervised YouTube all day long and like becoming fucking weirdos, straight up weirdos. That was like early radicalization. We just didn't know what to call it. And honestly, if I have kids, they're allowed on like three websites and I'm supervising. Truly, we did not know what that shit was. And our parents didn't, they were like, okay, don't talk to strangers online. That was the advice we were given. We even had like classes where they taught us like internet safety and things like that. That didn't do Shit, I knew a lot of weirdos who would do online challenges, but then we hear about kids who like actually went and killed somebody. Like, I'm sure it was in a part of the country that looked like that. And so as far as that goes, I was like, yeah, that's probably true. That is how young girls talk to like grown men online in a weird chat room or from Reddit or from a YouTube comment or like whatever they want to feel connected to somebody somehow. It felt very accurate to me and scary, I guess, because of that. But I don't know. It's like upsetting to think about. It makes me not, I don't know. I hope we start not letting kids on the internet. Previously, when I worked with kids, there was two girls who were like about 10 and they're like, my dad won't let me get a phone until I'm 13. It's ridiculous. Like everyone has a phone. And I was like, it was the first time I think I've sounded like really old because I was like, honestly, you don't want a phone. Like that's where all your problems come in. You should really just enjoy what it's like now. You should enjoy being present in the moment with your friends. And they were just not hearing me at all. They're like, it's so cool. Like, everyone has dad's just being so lame. And I was like, honestly, I'm going to be worse with my kids. Like I really don't want them to be on any kind of unsupervised web. I don't want them to have Instagram and like all those kind of things are going to impact their body age. I think like our generation still had too much of that, but I feel like we were still the last to get out like safe-ish, you know, because we were like half online, half not. They have it so young that I'm like, oh no, it's like critical development. I mean, it still impacts our critical developmental years, but they have it even younger. So that's like even more crucial. I mean, wasn't that the whole social networking doc that was like, it's literally changing how we respond to stimulus and like our own self-worth and stuff like that. So I absolutely don't want them to program it while they're still very, very, very young. But anyway, I was going to say that I agree with you, Zeba, that this film accessed like a very primal fear. It was like, I found it very nostalgic in a bad way, like triggering, I guess is the word. I just so remember like, Think of like the Dan and Phil's, the Shane Dawson, the Smosh. I'm not trying to put them all on the same level, but I'm talking about like these charismatic people online who then more so you go into their fans. Like they'd always share pictures of fans and their fans would be like super devoted. You could obviously tell that they were outcasts, like in their whatever social setting that they were. You could tell that they were shy, that they probably had social anxiety. Like a lot of these like online, like young, young teenagers, preteens. And I just remember seeing so much of that. I even remember like a time where I put like YouTube videos. I think I put on like three just because like for fun, like literally filmed with like my phone or something. And I was like, woo. And then I deleted it because I was like, this is not what I want to do. But like, it was just like that unknown about how dangerous it actually was. Like, I feel like adults also, yeah, they just told us not to talk to strangers and not to reveal too many personal details without actually educating you that like even showing your face online, even revealing your voice online, like all of these things are very personal details too. Like all of these, like even showing your bedroom, like that's still like giving away a lot to a stranger. So I feel like this was like the wild west of internet safety kind of thing. And it, it was very like scary in that way. I agree that the actual like 
character and the plot is so mundane but it's like that mundanity that I just found so scary like that idea that there were so many people young people who are so lonely who had terrible home situations like we know her father's neglectful like he keeps a gun in the barn and relatively unlocked he's relying on her just not knowing about it and teenagers know about shit like find shit it was implied that he was like a working class father she said he has his first job like his first job starts at 6am and so I'm not trying to say that working class parents are neglectful at all I'm just saying that he seemed a little bit like hostile in general as a father and then he's also very absent like she seemed like she had way too much alone time like and she was very lonely and that's why she sought out this like community on the internet it seemed really relatable I agree that like this was like internet area of like online little weirdos like raw means I love you and dinosaur and like scheme kids and everyone just like doing really crazy things like I remember seeing videos where people were like you know playing with knives being really weird with a knife like ooh, it's like sexual ooh, it's like I just remember seeing so much weird shit so I completely found this film so believable and really like encapsulating that like moment that's like been embedded in my brain of like how crazy it actually was to have like early YouTube exposure It was definitely nostalgic for that, like you described, no sense of what we have now in terms of curating your whole life and performing it. It was very much you're putting on the strangest, most intimate, hidden parts of growing up. Obviously, I felt like nostalgia for that, whether it was good or bad, but this film also like tapped into an experience I definitely had growing up, which was completely dissociating online. From like the age of 10, 11, I was basically just constantly online and I wasn't really like getting myself into trouble I wasn't necessarily like consuming dark content but it was very much like a coping mechanism watching this film kind of felt like an uncomfortable confrontation with that because I recognized like so much of my old self in her it's a credit to the acting she is one of those actors that has like an ability to not do much but like evoke really really strong and subtle emotions that I like felt I think it was like an uncanny mirroring situation where I was like no this feels too familiar (laughs) a film to have an emotional impact as well as me really enjoying and appreciating like the technical aspects of the film like I think this film also does like a really fantastic job of emphasizing the bodily experience of watching a film or being online or like consuming any type of screen media with the whole like ASMR lights of the screen the fact that you see like you know the flashing video that she sees at the beginning like it very much makes you aware that you're consuming something like multimedia in a sense and I think that not a lot of films nowadays pay attention to the other like sensor experiences that you can have watching a film you're not just using your eyes and your ears but it's a full-bodied experience and being scared from a horror movie you might understand rationally that it's not real but your body is experiencing it this film for me felt like not only like very emotionally gripping I felt like I was experiencing that whole thing of being online and being shut in and being in a dark room and just having your screen yeah I found that really cool Well, you seem to be accessing exactly what the director wanted the film to do. She said that the film is about a young girl experimenting with her identity on the internet through her participation in a massive multiplayer online horror game. I wanted to make a movie about growing up within the liminal space of the internet, and I wanted to explore questions about identity, power, and authorship through the lens of the creepypasta genre. So I was just going to say that like, I think your reaction to it was kind of the reaction that the director was going for. The director also was talking about how this was a very queer film. The idea of like loneliness and identity and like searching for like being able to like create yourself or create a version of yourself, perform yourself online. 
In an interview for Little White Lies with Natalie Marlin, Jane again said that like they themselves had delved into internet culture as a youth and like really searched for like commonality strangers and kept it hidden from their quote real life for fear of judgment and they said that in that way this film is also very queer like queer in the sense of like the experience but also because the director identifies as non-binary trans there's a lot of trans coded stuff in there too that I want to get into I was watching it thinking of the queer experience because I was like a lot of queer kids were online like escaping into the internet for some sort of community or identity escapism but also like the mental illness aspect Clarice Lowry for The Independent said it's the great uncertain terror of we're all going to the world's fair are casey's eyes always tear flecked because she's sad is that what this cry for help looks like on the internet or is this a young artist indulging in the possibility of storytelling i kind of read it as like okay this is a young girl like extreme like budding mental illness she is depressed she is lonely trying to search for community all that watching this i feel like it was a like a love child between two films that i really like which is hard candy in eighth grade like the game and interactions between her and this dude whose name is initials that to me was a big part of I think what made it so uncomfortable like the horror to me was a young girl being so lonely that she's speaking with an adult man and he had like a creepy avatar and it almost made me wonder if we're meant to question if JLB was lying about the things that he saw on her video and said like you're in trouble and he was actually just grooming her oh I absolutely think you were supposed to question that I was like certainly JLB is just grooming her and like none of this is happening but him telling her that like yeah you're like totally getting like more fused to this and tapping into like the energy of the game and like you're losing yourself was like genuinely making Casey think that she was like going insane and having all these physical transformations that weren't mm-hmm. happening and like the only person that she could trust with him which to me was like oh this is like kind of a like a dark eighth grade also kind of had a baby with hard candy and then the ending scene where he's giving that like account that may or may not have happened of them meeting up in new york and i was like how old was she when she was playing the game because i don't think she says it but he's like she's going to theater school and we hug and i was like this is the scariest part of the whole movie i thought that was for sure made up because she was meant to be a child so i like at least preteen. so she was no way going to theater school by that she said she could have been 16 the actual person is 18. But I don't think that she was meant to be 17 herself. I think she was meant to be a young girl. I thought 16 or something. I thought she was like 16. I was very confused by that. I was like, I think this didn't happen and we're meant to believe that Casey ended her life. I think it examines like mental health and loneliness well. It's just like, I don't think this is a bad film at all. And I genuinely do see like, the efforts that were made to express themes of loneliness and self-harm and suicide and grooming and I just didn't connect with the film. I think this is an experience that is like if you have not experienced it yourself it feels like almost bizarre to watch someone do. This wasn't to say that I wasn't like lonely because I did grow up in like a very white town as a black kid but like me and my sister were best friends always just hung out together and always like been in a ton of like after school activities so I just didn't really have time to be online when I was younger but in the sense of like her wanting belonging and not being able to find it in the real world and so going online and creating a persona and then connecting with people through the game does make sense for her character because she is so alone. I think 
this is like a, a good film for Gen Z kids to watch because I do think there is something really horrific about the fact that the internet is a world within the world and there's so many different things that you can access there and a lot of them are very unhealthy. Forming identity and like the era of everyone codifying thing into like an aesthetic of like clean girl aesthetic, summer and Europe girl aesthetic and everything makes people identify so intensely with like online movements and like curating their entire existence about consuming media to align with whatever this is. And that is incredibly unhealthy to me. So in that sense, this is a very timely horror film. It's just not one that I can personally relate to. I didn't relate to her because I wouldn't have done what she was doing. I just remember seeing a lot of people who did do what she was doing because they were lonely. Does she genuinely believe she's undergoing these physical changes? Is she doing it simply in an effort to belong? And I feel like something that I kind of remembered as I was watching is that actually like it didn't matter like when you were online where the boundaries were between like real life air bunnies and your digital life. And actually it doesn't matter because there are so many things that we do in air bunnies real life that are performed that are not ourselves as we might be when we're alone there's something kind of sad particularly about this film and her effort to like join this online community even if you just take like that one allegory it could be for queerness or a trans experience like that desperation to belong it could end up being harmful because you're just like morphing yourself into the idea of what that is online at that time because obviously there is no one experience for anything, but lining up all of your personalities, your looks, your styles, just the way you carry yourself to fit one identity, it doesn't like fix you. It doesn't like mean your life can start. The problem with the internet and growing up on the internet is that you believe you have all this choice and all this freedom to kind of explore yourself, but it's just like you're actually exposed to more than you should be Systems able to process. And systems of power and simply just more capitalism within reach. There's just more to make you feel unhappy, to make you feel isolated, alienated from the world, to make you just like spin into existential crisis. And I was feeling that as I was watching this film, like just how sad and lonely she was. God, it really screwed us over. Obviously, I'm not blaming the whole of our generation's issues on the internet. Growing up is already a minefield, especially growing up if like you fall outside of any kind of norm. I feel like this film just kind of, honestly, a bit of a Pandora's box in terms of my emotions. Taya, your Gen Z should watch this comic. Because at first I was like, well, maybe they'd miss it because like, like you said, if you weren't there as well, it's difficult to like access why this film is really disturbing. I mean, like, I know it says there because it's all online, but I mean, like witnessing that like very specific moment that like this film is commenting on. But also then I thought about it in my head and I was like, actually, I would because I'd want them to see that everything you're doing now, crafting yourself, making a version of yourself, performing yourself. This was the kind of origins of it. Like this is when people started to first do that. And I'm not saying it's all bad. Like I agree with you. It's a double edged sword because I would go on Tumblr and I learned a lot about the world. I learned about other cultures and it was really educational in some aspects. I got into feminism from Tumblr. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really know about it. It taught me a lot. It was dark. And I was also exposed to content that I shouldn't have seen. I also saw young girls like post their nudes and stuff on Tumblr, like definitely underage. It was not a healthy environment, but this is a good film to like localize 
that moment in internet history where it like could turn quite dark but there was a point to that oh that exposes you to systems of power like I said because she is not safe it is very much a film about crafting your identity in a way which gives you agency I guess in some way and a way of finding community all she's done is jump into another system of power because now she has this online guy who like makes a threatening video warping her face and then says like oh you're in trouble and then keeps like gaslighting her into believing that there's something happening in her videos like exposure to predation this whole movie really reminded me of that meme it's like you think people would do that get on the internet and tell lies like that scene from art i was like oh am i supposed to be shocked he was a creepazoid yeah, yeah. but that's why it was like yeah you're right so it is it, kind of like that balance as a young girl on the internet or a young person on the internet is like yeah you'll get information some of it's going to be horrendous and you shouldn't know some of it will be very useful and then the other half is going to really be like you're also going to get as a result or a cost or price of that information extreme predation from like every angle and i know it's not exactly explicitly said but i've just felt like this film was hinting on it although some critics were like saying that it was ambiguous and I was like I didn't not really see anything ambiguous about it I thought he was a creep I thought he was a predator she even says like whatever pedophile so I think she's aware that it's not great but she's like engaging with it because of the intention the negative attention even because if you're that lonely you will seek out negative attention some people did anyway so like when she kind of retorts and calls him a pedophile like I think it was her showing like some awareness of their weird relationship the power distribution was uneven I really like what you said, Louisa. That's a really good point. Because I was wondering, like, the entire time, does Casey realize how weird it is that this man found the video with 32 views and then started up this entire thing under the pretense that he could help her? Why would he have all the answers? But at the same time, she doesn't really have anyone to, like, bounce this off of and say, like, someone approached her on the internet and presented her with this information. There's just no one else to believe but him. And it's like, in a way, I think the internet sometimes presents so much information at one time. It's really hard to decide what's real and what's not, especially when you don't have media literacy, which I honestly feel like a lot of young people do not. I think we've talked a lot about, like, you know, going online to fashion a sense of belonging and community, which I do think Casey is doing to an extent in this film, in the sense that she wants to be part of something, part of the challenge. Like that in itself is like finding belonging. But I also think the facade of individuality, I think is something like that she's chasing particularly here, as well as like feeling community. I think she's trying to like almost gaslight herself or believe that potentially she might be feeling a bit more strange because she wants to feel unique. She doesn't want to feel like she's in a dead boring town where like nothing happens to her and she's just this depressed lonely kid she wants to feel like oh no I've done this thing and I've I'm part of something like oh something weird's happening to me like that makes me special like I think that's what she's trying to do it's about like trying to I know it's like it would be a lack of agency because it would be a curse but I think in a weird way it's like trying to get some sort of agency almost out of like boredom like that extreme mundanity to her life like real talk she is like boring to watch like I think she's trying to make herself seem more interesting I'm not trying to hate on her I mean like she's struggling but I think like this is a desperate cling to like fashion a personality and try to use internet creepypasta culture to do that so yeah I think it's much about the individual as it is about a community or a belonging sense I think the scene where she got her agency she never got her agency but the scene where i can see it sort of peeking through a bit is where she does the tarot reading um and she records that video because i think she like figures out what's going on i think at that point with um the creepy guy whatever his initials are and so she was like okay i'm gonna send him a message but i'm not gonna speak to him directly because i've told him i think at that point 
she had blocked him, but she no, was like, don't contact the me thing. anymore. I think that was the point where she had like started to piece things together oh. that like, oh, somebody got on the internet and told lies to me. And so like, it didn't really matter where cards fell out. She was That's delivering him a message knowing that he dad. watches all her videos. That was the video where she seemed the most confident and in control. And I think that was the goal of all the videos she was posting. Is like, she was a little like, I don't know, stilted is not the word, but you could tell that she was like, trying to deliver or convince something. So like that first video or one of the early videos that she posted where she's describing like, oh, as a child, I used to have these dreams or like she's describing like sleep paralysis or something like that. I didn't like buy it. I thought she was lying or like making it up or just trying to make a good video that would get views. I didn't even know if I believed it when she had started chatting with the guy and he's like, I need you to promise me that you weren't lying in that video, that it's true that you experienced those things as a child. And she was like yeah, whatever, I swear that it's true. I'm like, I don't even believe her then. I think she was just like, okay, this is getting me the next step further in the game. So I think if she got delusional and convinced herself that she was experiencing these, I don't know what you call them, like symptoms, or if she was lying the whole time to see how far she could go with it, or if she gaslit herself into even believing that these things were true. I think it's all of the above, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's all of the above. Yeah. The tarot makes sense because she was, she in that moment, she knows she's lying. She knows she's doing like this like fake reading or whatever because she has another purpose intended with that video, I thought, because that is what made it seem like she was the least contrived in that video because she was actually in control. Well, like the whole time she'd obviously watched people talk about their experiences, like their side effects. So she knew what she was supposed to say. Like she was like, I know I'm supposed to say that I'm losing control of myself. And she literally titled the video losing control of myself. So yeah, it is like, you're right. There is a, there is a kind of awareness. I wish I'd thought of that because I was just thinking that she was talking about her dad because in other videos as well, she's like talking about how she wants to kill her dad and like, blah. but now that makes sense that you think it was like the creepy guy. That's interesting. And also because her other videos were responding or they were responding to each other like she was like hi how was your christmas and, and like one title and then he uploaded a video being like my christmas was fine or something like that title so like they were kind of communicating so that makes more sense that it was like in response to him but i think also in this film like if you're in a position like casey where you're just like desperately searching for a community for like a shared experience with somebody else i think throwing yourself into not even just like an online presence, but into a game specifically, like a role-playing game in an effort to try and find yourself. Like, I think you can really lose your grip on reality and not even just in a like physical sense. If you're just sat at your computer all day and night, not letting light in, like how it can like affect how you feel, like you completely dissociate from your surroundings. I feel like it can also, if you're just constantly like trying to find these communities that are completely superficial and empty like most online communities are and if you're just always not getting that like fulfillment from them constantly and like such a high rate because it's the internet so that you can just like talk to everyone I think that completely breaks you especially if you're a teenager how the fuck are you supposed to deal with that if you're just like what do I want to be nobody's telling me and nobody's helping like being online and spending your preteens your teens your adolescence in that environment is literally so alienating and you can like say that obviously this is present pre-internet I think just in terms of the ennui of modernity like teenagers and adolescents were obviously feeling that complete disengagement from society but I don't know the internet just makes it just a stronger flavor of disillusionment 
I want to go back to the kind of this film as like a trans coded experience. So the director is non-binary, pronouns they, she, and they've been very open in interviews across various platforms about how they were not comfortable with their trans identity when they were making the film. And like they actually, when it was premiered at Sundance, they were six months on HRT. So like came out through that, through making this film. This film was very much like processing all that like it came to them when they were more repressed and then like through making it and through seeing it and they even said like seeing how it resonated with trans audiences like and queer audiences more broadly as well made them like reflect on their own trans identity and experience and I just thought that was really interesting because like I said when I was watching it, I was thinking like it's a bit queer in the same way that like escapism narratives do tend to be queer <laughs> like you know in lots of ways and like on the point like fashion identity and escapism that's what I mean to be queer but it was interesting to look at it as like a gender point. So in various interviews, I mean, I put so much down, but there's like several points, like one interview with Natalie Marlin for Little White Lies. Jane, the director, talks about how like there's a kind of anonymity to online culture, which related to the trans experience. So um, that's me paraphrasing. So I'll say her exact words now. She quotes Casey saying, one day soon, I'm just going to disappear. and You're not going to have any idea what happened to me. And then Jane says, she says it like a threat. That is real. It has a lot to do with the ways we try to know people but can never quite know what's going on in somebody else's head. That way I'm talking about online experience and performativity in this parasocial space that is a metaphor for that, that ephemerality of human connection. God, I can't say that word. But yeah, so I thought that was an interesting way of like the kind of unknowingness of the other person on the web is a kind of unknowingness in terms of like what people are feeling about their own identities. Then there was a lot of talk in, other, in this interview as well about like the kind of dysmorphia. So Jane says that they had like dysmorphia and they would have said no to the question, are they trans when making the film? But later on realized that at Sundance that they um, were. But then they were saying, one of the things that you're struggling with most early in transition, the first thing I tell people when they come out to me as trans is that it's real. That imposter syndrome that doesn't get talked about because our enemies try to use it against us is a real part of early transition. Seeing these things that I always thought were just me being a weirdo or me never being able to figure out why I was different from everybody else and other kids were dealing with similar desires, gazes and struggles as I had was one of the most validating things in my life. So again, like people like relating to this film as a queer thing helped them come out. One interviewer, and this was Jude Dry at IndieWire, asked, like, commented on the body point, like the wanting to escape or make a death or identity to avoid puberty. And Jane said, I think it's very much like that post puberty, and I'm quoting here. Post-puberty, I think I'd resigned myself to how boring my life was going to be in reality because I was in the wrong body and there was no realistic options presented to me in 2001 that didn't feel like complete social death, which was not something I wanted to embark on on that age. So fantasy really became an appealing space and I think a dissociated space and that is very much at the heart of the film. I don't think that Casey believes that these changes are happening to her, but I think she's really enjoying the space that she's created to explore them in perhaps not the healthiest of ways. It's also a space that specifically exists, right? Right? the space of fantasy role play science fiction horror as long as she's playing with all of this in the first person in that space she doesn't need to look at the reality of the feeling that resonates with me in my own experience another interview with nadine smith for them where the interviewer nadine comments that this film is about being perceived and that's like something trans people are like conscious of and jane says there is very much a duality in the movie of casey as a performer and casey as a watcher kind of what we've talked about here 
I think teenagers now are very perceptible of themselves as performers online, especially in a way that maybe you or I didn't get to perform ourselves at that age in an authentic way because it would have meant social death. It goes back to that professional fan idea where you feel like you can only ever be a watcher. We're very aware of the fact that Casey is both performing for an audience, but also being controlled and shaped by the people watching her. And in many ways, I feel like that's me as a trans person knowing how I'm being perceived. I know that was kind of long, but I didn't really want to paraphrase because I felt like I'd get it wrong. I'd rather just say what Jade said in various interviews. But I thought all of that was really interesting. And I can really see how this does work as like a trans allegory, specifically in queer allegory more broadly. Unintentional or subconscious, I guess. They did say that. They said, this film is trans because I'm trans and I'm making it. It's like a subconscious like oozing into her art because she was repressed in making it. So that's what came out. She does say it's not openly trans. Like she makes that distinction. I mean, obviously in the film, like the concept of performance is filtered through the horror aspect of it. But I feel like also in general, like role-playing games, video games in which you can like, custom make your avatar that kind of freedom to be whatever you want to be online and this is a positive point about like video games in general like just having that somewhat endless scope about like how you present yourself to that online community I feel like growing up you might not realize the like queer feelings and then be like oh like that's why I always wanted to be the boy character I always wanted to be princess peach or even be like not be human. I think there's like such a pipeline between people who always want to be like the monster or the alien creature who just like aren't comfortable in their own bodies. And video games like give so much freedom to explore that and like can be really positive spaces and not just like filled with incelly 13 year old boys yelling slurs at you. Like there are really beautiful positive spaces of online video games. Jane was talking about for an interview with 48 Hills was talking about how they don't really think there's been great like trans horror films. I've read different things like I've read articles by trans people saying that they love horrors like Sleepaway Camp and then I've read like people obviously saying it's very offensive. Again it's like a double-edged sword of like okay like it's a queer monstrosity like we'll have representation but you're gonna be the monster. About history of trans people in horror she said the history of horror in the 20th century is one about fear of the other rather than the support of the other. A lot of other people have taken comfort in that history but I don't think that the majority of those films, Freaks, Dressed to Kill, Psycho, Sleepaway Camp, Night around Elm Street 2. These films that are maybe explicitly or implicitly dealing with queer themes, I don't think that gaze in those films is my gaze as a queer and trans person. And I was like, that's fair enough. Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Monfem Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and follow us on TikTok at The Monstrous Feminine Pod for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, which is out. <laughs>